Hello and welcome to What We've Learned. As ever, it's myself and I'm joined by Shane Redding. So this week, a fascinating topic. Um, Shane and myself have, have been asked this a lot by a lot of people, uh, online, offline, in the real world, wherever it may be, the brands that we work with, friends, colleagues, in and around social and how brands, uh, not just in 2020, can become more social. How can we harness the opportunities of social media? How do we make sure we don't get left behind? How can we become more active in that space to perhaps change our values? Lots of different reasons for it. So we put our thinking caps on, didn't we, Shane? And we said, well, who do we know who's the best at talking about this? Who's done it? Who's got the T-shirt and indeed a company that does this with organisations? We've probably got the best we could get, Shane. Is that fair? That's very fair. We're really lucky to be joined this week by Sarah Goodall, who is um, founder and CEO of Tribal Impact, an organisation which Sarah will tell us um, specialises in what's called social activation. So this isn't just social media marketing, but we're talking about using social for thought leadership, employee advocacy, social selling, and even Sarah's written the book, the book, um, on the social CEO, um, co-authored that. So we're really lucky to have Sarah with us this week. We are indeed, yeah. And I'm sure you're going to find this a really fascinating, fast-paced session with Sarah. So, Shane, Steve, we're ready. Let's bring in Sarah Goodall. So, Sarah, I think somebody that many people, if you're actually active on social, will be familiar with Sarah Goodall because um, that's, if you like, her metier. And I'm really delighted that you're joining us today and going to be talking a little bit about what you do, founding Tribal Impact, um, and perhaps some of the challenges along the way having left big corporate life. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you very much. It's, I'm really looking forward to this. It's nice to have a, a little chat. So um, yeah, thanks for inviting me. Sarah, it's fabulous to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, as I say, lots to be social about. We are being sociable via Zoom and responsibly via this podcast. But um, as, as Shane said, I'm sure we're going to rewind at some point in terms of how you've got to this point. But I think it'd be fascinating just to hear for, for the listener what you're doing. So talk to us about your role, what you spend your time doing in the main at the moment. Perhaps we yeah, can start there. Yeah, of course. So, um, so I run a business called Tribal Impact and uh, we, we set up in 2015. So we are five years old uh, in our fifth year um, and we specialise. We've got quite a niche, really. Um, my dad thinks I play on Facebook all day, but it, we are <laughs> essentially a social activation business. So we work with companies that want to activate their employees on social media. And that can be anything from subject matter experts and becoming influencers on social it could be executive social comms it could be uh, social selling within the sales teams or advocacy and and the thing is they're all connected so not not a lot of quite often when we see this in practice in businesses they're operating in silos so quite often you'll have the comms team doing executive comms and you'll have um, you know, marketing or, or the sales enablement team doing social selling. Um, so quite often they're, they're managed in silos, but actually I'm a big believer that the whole thing needs to sort of, you need to get your arms around it and give it a big old hug and squeeze it in together because they all impact each other. Um, and that's what we do as a business. So we, we provide uh, services and, and products to help organizations do that at scale. So. I think that's really interesting because, you know, that term silo, particularly in B2B marketing, is the one we just use all the time. Yes. Um, but interesting for a new discipline, relatively new, um, 
it's it's interesting that you should still see that as being done very separately so why do you think that is yeah it's uh, it's interesting because I mean I started my journey on social media I remember it quite clearly actually I just moved to Norway um because I lived over there for five years and I walked in the office and and I, I I said to somebody you know what's all this Twitter stuff about and they're like oh it's just for celebrities I'm like mm, I don't think so it's getting quite popular and this would have been 2009 2008 something like that so quite in in its infancy um and luckily I got the opportunity at SAP because I started a blog when I was in Norway just writing about my diary and and living over there and suddenly I became the expert on social media because I had a blog and it was like it's got nothing to do with work I'm talking about you know tobogganing and things like that and they're like no that's enough um maybe you can explore what social means for our business so I was given such a great opportunity in the early days to be right at the start of this social journey and and uh, have been on that wave ever since uh, so managing social for SAP in EMEA uh, till 2015 when I, I took voluntary redundancy and set up tribal and I think it's not in my experience probably the tech companies are quite advanced at this um, most tech companies have seen it but it has still bubbled up in silos so you've got the sales teams trying to do social selling you've got um, comms doing the exec comms but well I don't see at the minute is anybody get I don't see often people grabbing the whole portfolio the social taking sort of a holistic view across the business um, and, and it tends to fall in the lap of either marketing for the brand channels and, you know, sales for social selling. So I think that that I think companies have become social, but they've become social in silos. I think perhaps what the bit that they've not quite got back round to in the in terms of maturity is getting their arms around in it and putting it at a holistic level across the business. So, yeah. So I think it's it depends which industry you're looking at, really. Some are more mature than others, I would say. So. It's, I'm just I'm just listening in Sarah the idea of I, I, you mentioned kind of getting your arms around it hugging it cuddling it just in 2020 I can't remember that as a principle of being able to no. do that in life but but the idea yeah, exactly the idea that I mean it, it, the silos as, as you've said is, is a classic business problem so it's, this isn't a social problem this is a business problem that you can see down this lens as well yeah um, i just i just wondered what you, you mentioned because obviously tech companies often are or certainly are, are pinned up quite often as the the industries and the spaces that are always doing this well and, and maybe that is or isn't true but the other industries is it a really wide um, net of different people and organizations you work with or do you see the same kind of industries that are trying to wrestle with this and therefore lots of other industries that you know you maybe you're frustrated oh my goodness they're not doing any of this why aren't they yeah well it's interesting because i i have seen a massive shift over the last five years actually i you know the tech companies were on it they were one of the first to adopt social selling and advocacy and things like that but then you start to see more professional services uh taking this on board so the legal industry um because they've got you know they're selling services they're selling knowledge uh, and insight and they have experts so when you look at the influencer side of social they're, they're quite well geared up for that um the surprising one for me has been the well i would say manufacturing um engineering we're seeing a lot more interest from those markets uh which were perhaps a little little bit late to the party but that that doesn't matter because what they're doing is skipping all the mistakes that everybody else has made you know we can you can sort of fast track them through a lot of that so you know the maturity of the industry is now fast tracking some of those laggards a lot quicker 
um, is what I have seen. I think the industry that I've not seen so much of this is the pharmaceutical, um, not not really embracing this yet, which uh, surprises me because um, that again, you know, they're it's an industry, but maybe regulated industries quite often are, are terrified of the whole letting employees loose on social media. Um, because they they're just fearful of what might be said and what's shared and what's not shared but but my view of that is like they are already on social media your employees are out there whether it's in work time or not they'll probably have a facebook account and an instagram account and you know it's the employer's responsibility really to inform and educate them on the the risks but also the opportunities of using social properly um, if you choose, choose to ignore it and just hope that they don't use it, that, that's not a strategy uh, in my view. So I would like to see a bit more structure, maybe in those regulated industries a bit more. So, so Sarah, you make that point, and I think really well about, you know, everybody's doing it. And some people, oh, my goodness, are doing it very, very badly. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I just wonder what you think about the fact that you're right, the market's matured. And we've got, you know, tools like sort of LinkedIn Premium and social selling perhaps is getting a bit of a bad reputation. Do you think that's going to put people off? Well, yeah, I think uh, certainly this year um, there's, you know, this catapulted um, social because suddenly teams weren't allowed to meet each other. Um, you know, the, the pandemic has, has put us in a place where it just, it digital was, was changing anyway for businesses, but I think it just changed a whole lot quicker this year. I think it pushed a lot, it forced the hand of a lot of businesses that were perhaps a little bit hesitant of adopting this approach. Um, in that though, you see businesses starting to, well, when I think, I think a lot of organizations just thought, right, we need to um, go out there and just get the tools that people need uh, without the ed enablement and education that sits behind it. And that's the danger because then you learn bad habits or or suddenly you start throwing tools out and going, oh, well, it doesn't work then, does it? Because and it, is, it actually isn't the tool. It's the it's the. It, like with anything you know it's always tools and processes and people and you know you take one or two of those things out of the equation it's never going to work so I think also people start to get embedded into bad habits and they'll, they'll take offline habits and transfer it to online habits so a great example of that might be cold calling you know and and it still exists and you know it works for some businesses it's a numbers game but then that just becomes mass in-mailing on LinkedIn and that's just not the right behavior you know it's not, it's a switch of behavior it's not you can't just take that tactic and transfer it online so it's a different way of being online um, and that's the bit I think perhaps a lot of businesses have missed and 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 in that sense yes it has created a little bit of um I think a lot of people are sitting there thinking, well, I'm not sure about this. I'm just getting so many spam invites on LinkedIn. It's just putting me off. And, and I, I'm always a big advocate that it's always got to be quality over quantity and just start, you know, nurturing networks in a way that you would in the room, just do it online. Don't, um, you know, don't just, it's not a popularity contest. We're not playing at being celebrities here. This is about relationship building. So you wouldn't do it in the real world. So don't do it online either. So it's yeah. the old it's the old ad isn't it in terms of if you're doing it right for the right reasons if you've got something interesting to say it's going to be interesting to say um if you take email for example sarah for years i've made this point and I've, I've taught in and around email and marketing automation amongst other things for a while and you know e email market email is a incredibly good delivery vehicle for content that's good yeah. but it's equally really good at delivering crap content <laughs> 
And, yeah. and in mail is almost, or, or, or perhaps that that's not a new principle, but as, as what you're saying is, you know, if there's been this, uh, this gold rush towards LinkedIn particularly, yeah. uh, for the right or wrong reasons, if you've got crap, and you're trying to put it out via that route, and whether that's aggressive, kind of, hi, I'd like to connect with you, and then suddenly I'm just going to try and sell at you, versus oh, yes. read our brochure, or whatever, the, or my thing that brings me out in absolute hives is uh, <laughs> a white paper or a thought leadership piece, which it never is normally. <laughs> that What you're saying, you're, you know, you're helping organisations wrestle with those same challenges. It's just the finesse of, well, it's a different medium, but get this bit right and it just is another way turn it on its head to get your positive and your your differentiating stories out there to people that will be engaged with you rather than if you're going to send out crap it's still going to be crap that yeah uh, and i think yeah and i think the bit that people really struggle with if i'm being honest especially in business and for years right i've i've been in b2b for a long time and I think there's a little bit of not having a personality in B2B. It's all, all about the products. It's all about the brand. And I think what people really wrestle with is it's actually okay to be yourself and, and to put a little bit of personality into who you are because that's who you are at home and that's who you are in work. And, and I've really noticed that actually, I've really, I've, I think since started my business, I've really stopped trying to be who I think the industry thinks I should be like the marketing the director or whatever and I've actually just been who I am and I enjoy it more and I think actually it just comes across and authentic is the word of the day isn't it I think at the moment with the word of the year in b2b but it really is you know and I think people who appreciate that so I I think a lot of people a lot of employees will struggle to let their guard down a little bit because we do have a bit of a this is the persona I am in business and therefore this is how I should be but you know if nothing else what this year's taught us is actually it's okay to be who you are and and I think adapting that kind of behavior online will work much better for folks if they if they get comfortable with it and that's the bit I think a lot of people aren't comfortable and they struggle to get comfortable with it so um, so I think you're right. I think that's a really valuable point about, and it's interesting you say you found it liberating, Sarah, to yeah, be I able did. to be authentic and be more of yourself. I'll be honest, and I found it, or probably still do a little bit, a bit more challenging because for me, you know, different generation, the separation of, of home and work was pretty absolute. Mm. Um and so when you are, you know, on the Zoom calls or when you're in your social media and you are being yourself, and I think it comes, it does come from confidence, but I'd be interested to know, is there a particular persona when you're doing the work that you do with Tribal Impact? And you mentioned, which I think is really interesting that you also work with board level. Yes. Um, is there a persona that finds this harder or is um, a role or is it, is it actually down to the individual? It's very much down to the individual. Um, it's very interesting, actually, when we work with a lot of executives, though, because, again, I think they they come across in, in many ways the way I felt when I was working in corporate. You know, this is the role. This is what I am. And then when you start to talk to them about, you know, what they do, what they support, what they believe in, it's fascinating, you know, and and you don't and you just think, you know, at the end of the day, you you're really interesting. And I think your employees would find you really interesting if if you maybe communicated that a little bit more and gave them a bit of insight into what makes you tick, what motivates you, because you know open up a little bit and start being a little bit more 
engaging on that level um and i and i think it that doesn't matter it's not just execs it's everywhere i think if i if i think about sales t sales people you know they 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 put up quite often put a front up because this is their role this is what they do and they're they're targeted hard right and, and, and no matter what industry when you're in sales it's a tough job because you're getting doors slammed in your face you've got to be resilient and thick-skinned they have learned to be tough and suddenly i'm asking them to be all soft and squidgy a little bit and just let a bit of themselves out and they're kind of like oh, well you know that's not what we do is you know so the but it's a cultural shift you know it's a cultural change and just talking to a customer yesterday actually it's about it's not just it's about changing every conversation like the first line sales manager to those their team you know rather than how many calls did you make how many contacts did you reach how many people have you visited it's more about you know how many searches have you done have you shared any content this week it doesn't look like you have are you nurturing your relationships how are you building your network so it's changing the conversation it's changing the relationship and i think that's that helps people get comfortable so sometimes asking employees to get comfortable and more confident with social can only happen when the organization shows it either from the top down or supports it through the infrastructure right the way through um, and this is why a tool won't fix it and and it'll certainly help but actually it's much more than that it's about a cultural shift that helps build confidence and comfort within the the organization so yeah, the, the culture word, Sarah, is it, it's come out actually, you've said it there, but from a lot of what you've said in the last 10, 15 minutes is around from the top. If if you've got people that are applying a sticking plaster or desperation of we need leads, I've read something in a book that says this social selling thing will get us POs within three months, everyone go for it. You know, but that kind of paint a picture that's, that's scary, but possible. Um, if you've got organizations departments led by people that are people and this is your point as well isn't it you don't to, to shane's kind of challenge on it it's not you have to take your suit off entirely you might just take your tie off or yeah. relax your tie a bit it's it's finding everybody's got to find their own level of what they're willing to share and to be comfortable with yeah. expo exposing themselves that's a terrible phrase but <laughs> but they're willing to be themselves online but of course the other side of it is they're not then uh, what worries me and i've seen i'm sure we've seen examples of is if when it's clearly manufactured it's the other side of the coin where oh, yeah you know um, they're trying to be something not that disingenuous that unauthentic if you like that that counter word of, of what you've described yeah um, yeah uh, and i and, and i agree with that and i think there's you'll get found out right it's really yeah. risky it's just really you know and i write all my blogs right i write all my blogs i do my own social posting I don't do automation, right? What you see is what you get. Um, and I just really believe in that. And, you know, I just, I don't, you know, on my social profiles, you've got to be yourself. And I just don't think it's just worth Just to challenge no that, if I may, yeah. and, and not, not that I disagree with you, but I just wonder in terms of how do you get that across to organize, particularly corporates of how to scale that? Because having had conversations with clients myself on this, they'll, they'll go, oh, I'm not going to be able to make the time. And, and you could say, well, you can make the time. Do you think there is any room for any um, technology tools or automation in there? Or is it just, no, 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 just say, play it really safe, be, be yeah. yourself and do it yourself? 
no, you can do it yourself, but tools can help. So, um, and automation is not, I wouldn't sort of automate like auto posting out. You want to share content that, that's true to you. But for example, the advocacy tools. Okay. So we give people little routines, biteable routines, things that they can swallow and cope with, um, even if it's like five minutes a day. Um, but the tools like advocacy tools really save a lot of time because one of the most time consuming things is finding content. Now, if the advocacy tool within a company was set up properly and it had a good mix of third party content and brand content, and that's where a lot of advocacy tools go wrong because they're full of brand content and they don't realize that people don't want to just spout out brand content. Um, but if the mix is right, if the content mix is right, then that can save you a ton of time because if you find interesting content in there, you can sit on a Friday for half an hour with a glass of wine and just schedule your content for the following week and go, oh, that's an interesting article. That's an interest. That will save you about three hours trying to find content. So tools can do that. And, and on the flip side, social selling sales navigator is superb for saving time if you use it properly you know you can set up the notifications the alerts you don't have to live in sales navigator three hours a day you go in when the triggers tell you to go in if you set it up properly um so tools can massively save time if they if they if people know how to use it and there is one other thing i wanted to mention actually that just came to my head is that not everybody wants to be social and that is perfectly okay. And I think organization, we're not here to push everybody online. This, it, it makes me sort of shake a little bit when I hear people, right, we're going to put this in their KPIs. I'm going to make it mandatory. And I'm like, oh, please don't do that. That's, you know, if people don't want to be social, that's okay. But the ones that are social will start to, you know, see different things happening to them. They'll get those inbound opportunities. They'll get those referral requests. They'll get those speaking opportunities. And the people sat next to them that aren't will eventually be sat there looking at them going, well, how did you do that then? Um, they'll come. They'll come, but in their own time. And I couldn't agree with you more, Sarah. I've, <laughs> I've seen that approach fail. You know, that's oh. sort of forced, and it's so uncomfortable, and the employees are uncomfortable. And yet, you know, particularly if you're working with sales teams, which, which I do, and they're a competitive bunch. So of course, yes. when the first person to use social selling gets a sale, then all of a sudden the, the, the naysayers who are like, well, I'm not on LinkedIn because I'm not looking for a job, which has yes. been said to me many times, um, suddenly, as you say, get super interested. So I think that's a, that's a great tip. I've seen it over and over again, and it works every time. It really does. And, it's, and also people kind of need to see the light in their own time, I think. You know, you can't push them any faster than they're willing to go. So just leave them, let them carry on, they'll come. Just it's, it's funny actually what you've counted is something i've talked about for years for content marketing is this the kevin costner film from 1989 the field of dreams where he has to tear down a sweet cornfield and james l jones the voice of darth vader says to him build it and they will come and that's enough for kevin costner <laughs> to build a base to tear down his sweet cornfield and a dead baseball team from the 1900s will come on and it will all be good in the world what you're making a really good case for is look it is the long game with this stuff is yeah yes. if you build the right kind of principles and, and to pick up a point you've just made is that almost that harmony of human and techn technology or tools that's yeah. the, the happy medium isn't it is yeah have the confidence have the culture and the confidence but don't expect it to be a kind of overnight success this is no. best practice principles for the longer term not for a quick 
fix yeah we actually map out i think i sent it to you shane actually the you know the journey of a social seller could be at least six months if not a little bit longer and and we map out onto that you know where they get all excited and they've got this new tool and they're and then after month two they're kind of like well this isn't working you know and that's the point that's the bit where the sales managers really need to hone in and push them through so you can almost i've seen it over and over again the mapping of the behaviors and and when people need that lift up um and then suddenly something will happen little things they won't win a deal overnight but they will they will start to see uh, somebody will reach out out of the blue that they've not spoken to for ages or they'll get referred into somebody or and then it's like oh i think i get this now and they realize it's not pick phone up get appointment it's not that kind of um immediate effect it's a little bit more it's a bit like a black art really but but keeping at it and knowing that it will work and certainly on the sales side we always say you know build a pipeline of relationships as well as your pipeline of revenue but once you've built six months worth of pipeline of relationships these will just start to drop and when they drop they drop thick and fast and and they want to move quickly because they've already decided they want to work with you so um and we see it time and time again the the behavior of a you know as somebody new to this journey this maturity journey so there is a bit of a challenge here and it just made me reflect here Sarah in terms of you thinking about the long game and I possibly could claim one of the longest long games through LinkedIn connection of anybody and I can't think how long I've been on but I did work out that actually only last year somebody who I'd worked with um, the wonderful Hannah Wilson at IPC magazines who at that time back in the back in the 90s was a graduate trainee literally Sorry, last, last year century. yeah all right that, that was not necessary steve thank you very much <laughs> only last only year before last contacted me um and had become cmo at gumtree um and she oh. said there was only one name on linkedin that had b2b next to it which was you oh. and it's just like that is a long sales cycle and, isn't um, yeah but isn't it wonderful that that you know that just gives me goosebumps that because that is just the power of social networking isn't it isn't it wonderful that you can still stay in touch with people that you knew like 20 years ago I, all my old ibm friends from my very first job at ibm we're still connected and i met up with another one actually not not long ago who we used to work in the same office in basingstoke in the 90s and it's like wow this is so cool uh, and it just it makes me very excited it is I, great and I, i've got to say here i think one of the things for those listening who perhaps at the start out is that one of the things you don't realize when you start out in your career that if you're if you're going to stay in your career how helpful those corrections are and i know you talk a lot about your personal brand building but actually that's a challenge for organizations isn't it because actually these people will move on whose yes. network is it anyway yeah that's right and and i do get that question a lot actually as an objection it's like why would i train my people you know and then they clear off and go and get another job and i'm like mm, i get that but also when they get into that job they're going to carry on growing their network of which because you are all connected to that person become is exposed to you too and it could be a competitor i mean i'm i'm connected to my competitors i don't i don't have an issue with that i'm not closed doors i'm not all secret squirrels i'm i'm i stay true to myself and keep keep my direction going and um and i think it that comes with probably the confidence and comfort with social and the maturity of it and being and using it and knowing what to say and what not to say i think but from my from my perspective the the, the employee voice that sits behind the brand 
is hugely powerful. It's trustworthy and it's influential. And I just can't see why you wouldn't harness the power of that and the, and the scale of that. And, and it just brings a whole new level of credibility to your organization because you're not afraid to put your employee voice in front of the logo, which I think says huge amounts to attracting talent and retaining talent. And it's all connected to culture. So it's interesting it's, as opposed to the kind of stock line that for years organizations would force you to my opinions my are my own not necessarily my employer that was the kind yeah. of the first opening statement of any twitter um, profile for a long time um listen it's worth you knowing sarah by the way just to pick up on that point uh, one of the three of us does have a trophy somewhere in the house which is the linkedin before linkedin existed um, <laughs> right so for what to what shane's just described in terms of that uh, there was by design as well that she's very shane's incredibly good at networking but the reason i mention that is that many many people myself included and, and we spoke with a lady julia porter about this a couple of weeks back she would be in the same camp as me which is I'm not as naturally a networker as Shane is, but it strikes me that if you can use social properly, this is also a really good thing for those people that would find it hard to make these connections and these yeah. friendships um, in the real world, you know, face to face. And it doesn't mean that doesn't come, but this, it, perhaps it, this isn't all about you have to be incredibly extroverted to exploit this. I, I, quite the opposite, it feels like to me. It's a great tool for the, the slightly meeker of us. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm... I mean, I've worked, I, I always remember when I started my business five years ago, I thought I have never worked in sales. I've, I've never, I, I had one little spout of cold calling and it frightened the hell out of me, to be honest with you, because I just got the phone slammed down and people didn't want to, and I was just like, oh, I don't think I could do this. And when I started my business, I just, I was terrified because I just thought, how on earth am I going to grow a business when I can't even make a phone call? I've never written a proposal. I wouldn't know how to do a quote. Um, and, and actually if this is what sales is then i quite enjoy it actually because all it is is about building relationships and it's and actually and it's perfect you know if you're not that type that wants to get on the phone and rocks up at people's doors and you know if you're not naturally that sort of person then this is a really good way to do this in the in a in a much more you know remote way but in a nice way you can still build relationships through online media um and i prefer it to be honest with you um if I so on on that sarah i think that's really that will give heart to a lot of people listening but i think it's also interesting you know you come came out of big corporate life you know with big sort of a support network teams and setting up Travel Impact five years ago you probably had some challenges along the way and I think it's interesting you're going in and you're saying you know working with organizations big organizations on this sort of stuff but actually it's great to hear you saying you're really enjoying using the same tools for yourself and to grow your business but have there been any difficulties for you you know doing this oh yeah what starting a business yeah yeah, I, um, it's funny, you know, I always had a dream that I'd have my own business one day. Ever since I started my very first job at IBM, I always knew I would one day do it. I just wasn't quite sure what in. So I've been on that journey of realisation. Um, yeah, that was a challenge, I think, when I started. It's like, how on earth am I going to grow a business when I don't, I've never had a role in sales? I'm going to have to work this stuff out for myself. Um, so that was a bit tricky. And, and over the five years, it's, 
you know, I've faced a lot of challenges. I've been, I, I got a coach actually very early on in this journey, which has helped me massively um, that I talk to once a month, huge amount of help, but taking on employees that terrifies me. Um, we did that a couple of years ago. You know, if, if we're to grow a business, we need to actually start taking on employees. So that was a challenge for me because the whole, it just terrified me. I mean, like, you know, I'm, it's just the whole legal side of it. All of that's quite new. Um, everything really. And we, you know, we've developed products now and licensing agreements. It's like, what's that all about? I've never had to do that before, but you know what, Shane, I'll tell you what, I, I love learning. And every day I'm learning something new. And, and my coach has really helped me to, to realize that, which is it's okay to put yourself in really uncomfortable situations because that is when you know you're stretching yourself and, and um, I always liken it to a cliff, right? It's like standing on the edge of a cliff and knowing that, you know, you're going to jump off and you will fly, but cool, these cliffs are getting higher. You know, the bigger the business gets, it's like the, the, you can't see the floor at the bottom, but you're still going to jump and you just, you know, you're going to do all right, but you just got to get on with it. So it is, it is scary. It is slightly terrifying, but I'm getting used to that. I'm get I'm learning that feeling is okay um, as long as you you know analyze it properly and you don't get too scared sometimes fear can get the better of you can stop you it can freeze you and I found that in the early days I was just so scared I wouldn't move um, I wouldn't do anything but actually change is not a bad thing um, and yeah so. it's a constant isn't it it's very brave of you to say that Sarah as well because you know again back to your point of authenticity uh is that you know you could have answered that in a very different way that's not necessarily new uh problems or challenges or unique problems or challenges it's open most people uh particularly when you get organizations together that are of a similar ilk that you know it's the first one that blinks that will be willing to say actually it's quite hard sometimes it so is, that, that's yeah. a really nice thread to it although I will just pick you up on one point and I was going to talk about uh, you know how often the thread that comes through people we talk to on this series is that how the steps they've taken whether it's education or career or both have set them out to later down the line without realizing it um mm. you, you may you say you're not familiar with creating products but you did do a degree in product design and if we talk hairbrushes for a minute <laughs> you might uh, you might remember that you're quite good at product design as well Tell us about the hairbrush, Sarah. Yeah, my hairbrush, my lovely hairbrush. Yeah, it's um. So when I was at uni, I designed. We had a what was it? I think it was a project we had to do. We had, we were tasked with designing a, a hairbrush, and I came up with a hairbrush. I had really long hair. I've got really long, thick hair, but at the time it was really long. And I I remember it sounds. Do you remember the adverts? Why take two bottles into the shower when you can take one? You, you know. Do you remember that? Oh, I well, I modelled myself on the Timothy adverts. If that's it. <laughs> Well, it was kind of like that. It's like, well, why take two hairbrushes? Because I had a vent hairbrush with vents in. And then I had a thick brush for when my hair was dry that I could then brush it through. Um, and, and I designed this brush that had an interchangeable head. So you could have a, have a brush that had the vents with wide space bristles. And then you just click the head back. And then it became a thick brush with no bristles. Um, anyway, they, the university thought it was a good idea. And to be honest, that... That must have started me off really because um, then we took the design to a manufacturer, we took it to several and one bought it, the one that buys uh, 
they manufactured all the uh, hairbrushes for like Superdrug and Boots and stuff up in Scotland. I don't know if they still do, but they bought the manufacturing rights and the patent rights off me. And at the time, you know, as a student, 200 quid goes a long way. So I was just like, yeah, all right, then I'll get a computer for that. So, um, <laughs> so I took the money and sold the rights and yeah. And that was my. You, that you, were, nearly, you were nearly a, a, an apprentice candidate, but for oh. good, two good reasons. Uh, one, you're already successful, and two, you're far too good to be on the show <laughs> by nature of the fact you can actually do it. I could have gone on Dragon's Den, couldn't I? I don't know whether I'd have survived that. Well, maybe you will, but maybe they'll give you a chair by the time you get yeah. to Dragon's Den. <laughs> That'd be nice. Um, but, you know, it opened stores, you know, I got, I won an award with Rolls Royce for that, actually, in, um, which was lovely. And, and then that opens another door for you, which gets you your first interview for your year out. And do you know what I mean? And all of those things will all accumulate to your point. You know, these things, I would just, you know, just keep you keep your eyes open to all the opportunities because they are all there. Somebody once said to me that opportunities are all around you. It's just whether you choose to take them or not um, or take the risk. And that's the, that's the key. So, mm. Taking risk is one, I think that for many, um, that's the biggest challenge of all of stepping out of corporate life into setting up your own. And you've always been very already honest about, you know, the, the fear and the sort of the leaping off a cliff but in this last year more than ever we've all had to continue to learn new things and I think our pace of learning everybody and that was why Steve and I set up this podcast is just we felt it would be a good way to connect with people when we couldn't physically meet up um, and just still sort of have a, a conversation with interesting people and that's what it's allowed us to do but what have you learned this year what's changed for you oh wow um yeah, it's been a blur, actually. Um, <clears throat> I've, if I look back, I mean, if I look back, when I started Tribal five years ago, I had three young kids. I'd literally just had my third child. So I had three kids in three years and we just built a house and we just moved countries. It was mad. Um, so I'm used to a chaotic life. I'm not, you know, I'm kind of okay with so, that. so that's an episode of grand designs you described oh uh, yeah it kind of was yeah right. I, I, everything about it i remember standing upstairs in the house that i'm sat in now looking we had no roof on but i was like six months pregnant it was just typical um, <laughs> but if i look at this year it's been really hard i'll be honest we've we got really busy really busy earlier this year we were one of the very fortunate businesses that managed to to keep going um and but we also had the three kids at home homeschooling whilst we were getting really busy it it was a lot of pressure on me on the team um you know the, the well-being of the team was was paramount but it was just so hectic um so i you know i'm only just starting to learn to breathe out of all of this actually it's been one big blur and we've had changes within the team we had lots of new customers it's just been manic what have i learned to look after myself more, um, to take care, even on those days where you really cannot be bothered to go outside, you need to go out, even if it's just around the block to get some fresh air. You've got to force yourself to look after yourself because if the, if if I go wrong, the fact you know the the kids feel it, the team feels it, the customers feel it, um, and that's the same for everyone. It's not just me; it's everyone in the team. You know, so that has helped me that's one thing I have learned is like taking good care, appreciating 
even the little things I often sit looking out my window at the birds and just thinking wow what an amazing day how lucky are we to be okay in all of this and yeah I would say it's probably not the answer you were looking for Shane but I I have had a lot of soul searching this year um for that reason I think it is the answer I'm looking for actually because <laughs> I think I think actually that it, it's a really important one for all of us and it, it's one you have to give yourself permission to and I, I, I massively admire anybody who's been working from home with younger I mean in fact they're not daughters are they you describe them as princesses so I do oh, hope yeah. that you've been doing dragon and suitable princess <laughs> training um, as part of the working from home but it's so challenging because I don't have that I have that luxury that in fact my my grown-up daughter and son moved back at the beginning of lockdown and actually for me it was superb because I had two extra chefs in the house you know that was not a stress <laughs> love it don't rub it in Shane she's she's not even got a kitchen unless the, the, the <laughs> it's been done it clearly has listen I mean that it, you changed right we you know the, 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 the answer you've given is the right answer there Sarah and it's very again open and honest of you and will resonate because a lot of people will have been dealing with similar I mean you wrote something recently as well about the, that guilt that ongoing mum guilt of that yeah. balance that's another I mean we're talking about uh, with with social selling in the main uh, about spinning plates of well I've got to do my day job but how do I find time for that you know you, you're also talking about that work versus mum versus wife versus friend versus all those other hats and, and yeah. plates you yeah. know, that discipline of knowing to do a little bit here and a little bit there I suppose yeah. that leads us back to the social setting, as you're saying. This isn't something that takes over. You don't block out your Mondays to do this. No. Leave me alone, no. everyone. I've got my social selling hat on. It, it, you find a rhythm very yeah. much like you, you do with your other hats you, of, of doing this as part of everything you do every day, week, whatever it might be, but little and often rather than it completely mm. in, in, in boxes and, and uh, yeah. be, be marked. Yeah, it becomes part of your DNA, I think, when it when you embed it into your daily working life. That's when, because a lot of people say, well, how long do you spend on LinkedIn? I was like, I don't think I could tell you, to be honest, because it just comes naturally now. And it's building that habit. Um, but the balancing act, I always, I, my coach has really helped me this year get through all of this. Um, and she likens it to a wobble board, you know, those old, those wobble boards you used to stand on, you know, and some get, sometimes it tips more one way than the other. You're all in work. And yeah, that mum guilt has been a real thing this year. You know, when your kids, your kids are not normally here, they don't see you working all the time, but that, that has been really hard this year where they're just looking going, why are you still working? Why are you still working? And it's like kids, you know, you just, you're going to have to just get on. And it's that, that has been a struggle. Um, but they're back at school now, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> so for that, I'm quite thankful, I have to say. So it's good for all of us. <laughs> well, that's interesting about the wobble ball, because one of the things it's supposed to develop is a, is a strong core. And I think you're demonstrating that, Sarah. And yeah. I think that, that, you know, that will be heartening again that for all of us to just think, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy for any of us. We all have moments. And I think, again, one of the things I found through, you know, just the ease of digital networks forget social selling but actually it's so easy now to ask people for help and people yes. who are helpful and i think that to me is one of the things i enjoy most about using social networks is that actually being able to both give i share things i find useful um but also to receive and um, oh my goodness if you ask as in fact 
you did you were really generous you mentioned some content i asked something and you know super helpful but community problem solving i think is perhaps underused within our networks we're not used to asking for help perhaps in that way no no and it is easier now and i think you know the your networks do allow you to do that and i think this is why i think if there is a message i'd give to people is to invest time in your networks you know don't leave your networks to to chance don't use your networks when you need them um that's the classic inactive on our matrix maturity matrix box you know invest time in your network it's like your treasure pot it's your it's the place that you go to to ask for help to get referrals to see if somebody can you know to ask them oh i notice you know this person how how do you get on with them and you know it, it investing time in networks is um is good for for your for you, for you um you know and your career and and your future and uh, i i would not leave it until you need it i would invest take a little time each week and spend that time doing it it's a really nice message, Sarah. It's a really nice one to end on as well, I think, because, you know, t on the subject of time, you, you, you've got the, the plates to spin. We have a birthday today as well, don't we, in the household? We do. So, um, yes, we, we do not want to distract birthday. you fr from that too much. But, <laughs> okay. uh, you need to get rescued from the top of the tower. So yeah. on behalf of Shane and I and everyone that's listened, Sarah, thanks ever so much. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love that. It's really, um, really good. And it's quite nice. You don't often get time to reflect. So uh, I appreciate the time, your time and, and uh, asking me the questions. It's, it's very grounding. Thank you. So. Thank you, Sarah. That's been really great. Fabulous stuff, Shane. Really, really honest, really insightful from Sarah. And, and those last points around, you know, not, not quite, it's never too late, but it, it start, start soon, give it a go, try. What, what would we say to people above and beyond what Sarah said, if anyone's listening in and feels inspired, but, you know, they're sitting there not knowing quite what, what to apply themselves to, where to start? I think that's a really good point. It's never too late. And I think the more senior you are, perhaps the more daunting this might be because it, it's a new skill and yet actually if you're thinking ahead and you are in corporate life and you're thinking about oh I might like to become a non-executive director or I might like to um, do and join the board of sort of community or um, charity work having these social skills are incredibly valuable um, to those organizations but also to help you get them and I see and I meet and I know you do too lots of people who have this fear factor of actually about using this and how to go about it but it's not that difficult really is it steve no no it fears i mean we often fear the, the unknown and what i will say to people in that situation is a couple of things really firstly if you're not confident with the work side of it perhaps linkedin go and sign up on twitter and go and follow people organizations other accounts or hashtags on things you're interested your personal hobbies get a kind of rhythm and a feel for how easy it is to actually um, get involved uh, and we didn't talk much about it but you know uh, passively the idea of you don't have to be broadcasting on social media to see the value of it you can just listen in to conversations for sure so build up that confidence that it isn't that difficult to do um, and I think Sarah made some really good points around that um, sharing and how once you, once you almost kind of get this this stone rolling, it finds its own momentum that people will learn from others that quick. Oh, I've connected with somebody, I've had an intro, all those nice little quick wins that can really help to just give people confidence. The other thing I'd say as well, actually, is 
when it comes to sharing or you don't always have to create your own original posts you can curate content find other people's interesting topics and frankly if it's something that you'd be willing to talk to somebody about over the phone or in a meeting if you met them then it's probably the right thing to share on LinkedIn so it isn't as hard as perhaps people think that's what I would say Shane. I agree because I think you have to find your own rhythm and I think it's very hard when you've got the day job whatever it might be and for me it's consulting but I know how important this is I know I could do loads better but my rhythm I started to find with Twitter certainly was when I was attending a conference and basically just posting my learnings because it did two things it it sort of helped embed those learnings with me and what I was finding helpful it also connected me to everybody in what was the physical room who didn't know you were necessarily there if it was a conference of a thousand people and of course these days um, with virtual events it's an extremely good way of reaching the audience who's not there and might have missed it so I think I think that rhythm finding your own rhythm what works for you is is a really big takeout. Yeah I think the word helpful in there as well I mean it, it comes up all the time when we speak doesn't it Shane on marketing helpful sales but if you're to your point of, of using Twitter or whatever the platform is to share uh, as you said at conferences whether they're virtual or physical some of the learnings if you're doing that to be helpful to others or people that you do or don't know that you think might find that interesting I think that's absolutely the sentiment um, if you're trying to do it to be a show-off or to be something you're not you know that artificial that non-authentic then I think that's where people sometimes fall into the trap of oh my goodness I need to gain followers I need to get a quantity of people hearing what I've got to say no just be yourself and be helpful be interesting be part of the the conversation whether you're listening or speaking or both and I, I think it's all skills we've got within us we just playing it down a slightly different route it's social media rather than over the phone or in a meeting or wherever you might normally behave in this way so it's back to that uh, skill set that's probably already there yeah and of course you also have to recognize that even if you don't put things out that you're comfortable with some of your colleagues like you Steve might mention things like last century and <laughs> not being the meekest so you know most of the information is out there whether you put it out or not but on that point I won't I won't be bitter what I'd also like to say don't be bitter because I did start in last century as well Shane as people that I work <laughs> with often remind me of <laughs> But what I will say is that uh, for me, I think that transparency and, and authenticity, Sarah demonstrated so brilliantly. And it's no wonder she's um, been tipped as one of the top 20 female entrepreneurs to watch for uh, 2020. And I think it is that much more modern way of being comfortable in your own skin. And I know what she said, particularly around that balance of home, family, work, and your own ability to do what you want to do whether that's at work or outside work is a challenge that all of us face but perhaps don't talk about enough so I'm really grateful she did talk about it because I think that's very helpful. Yeah I completely agree I'm sure there are a lot of people listening in that will have taken solace from that and, and felt oh actually I'm not alone if, if they felt they were and can see Sarah's journey as one that's really inspiring um, so absolute huge thanks to Sarah and indeed her family, particularly her daughter, who was uh, waiting desperately to celebrate her Rapunzel birthday. And she lent her mum to us so we could have that conversation. Uh, so I hope you've enjoyed that. Again, another fascinating episode. Look out for the chat on the LinkedIn group, which you'll get to from www.podcast.co.uk, uh, where we'll certainly share things like the book that we talked about and other useful pieces. But tell us your thoughts. How have you found this journey? Are you new to, to social networking, social media? Are you an old hand and got 
got some really interesting tips to share, whatever it might be, we'd love to hear from you. Um, remember also, if you go there, you can find the further episodes that we've recorded over these last two series, over 20 episodes, probably about 25 hours of free, interesting, really interesting conversation from people such as Sarah. So have a listening in there. Uh, and if you need more, well, just wait till next week when we'll release yet another podcast. Thanks, everybody.